This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. When the nights get cold and the lights go out, the sun is gone behind the clouds, and you feel lost, and I'll reach out to guide you home with my lighthouse. Oh, Lighthouse of Hope. I'm your host, Michael Hempseed. I'm so glad you're joining us today. On today's show, we'll be looking at some of the after effects of the ongoing COVID restrictions. I know I did a show on this a couple of months ago. We'll be looking at this on the show in a different way. In particular, I want to look at the impact that grief has a lot on people. By and large, we tend to think that grief will only occur after a death. But it's really important to acknowledge that grief can occur from many different uh, situations and circumstances. One of the big things that many people are experiencing at the moment is grief from the loss of status and meaningful work. For many people, work is not just a source of income. For many people, work gives them a sense of identity and it gives them a sense of purpose. And rightly or wrongly, In the Western world, we tend to identify ourselves by what we do for a job. When we meet people for the first time, the first thing we ask them after their name is, what do you do? This suggests that we place primary importance of a person on what they do for a job, maybe rather than, say, who is in their family, their interests, and things like this. Interesting to note that a Mari Mihi or introduction does this very differently. It starts off with, say, your mountain, your river that you are associated with, then it looks through your parents, uh, and eventually, if you do put your job in, that comes at the very end. So it's a very different way of looking at the world. One of the things we know at the moment as many people have had significant disruptions to their lives and the work they do. A number of people will not be able to operate, um, they won't be able to do the things they normally do, and a lot of people have had significant restrictions on them. And so I think it's important to acknowledge that there's many feelings that people have, certainly one of them is high stress, and uh, there's a lot of people that are really uncertain and anxious about the future, But I think underneath that, one of the emotions that I'm seeing again and again that people are presenting with is that of grief. And so throughout the show, we're going to look at a little bit about what grief is and a number of ways to manage this. Just before I go on, there's a couple of other points that I want to make. First of all, we might assume that it's only people in, say, Auckland and the North Island and with some of those ongoing restrictions that would be really affected by this. But I've heard from people all around the country that are saying they're struggling and they're having a difficult time. So there's a couple of reasons for this. First of all, we know that when a disaster strikes, most people cope remarkably well with that. So during the first lockdown, all things considered, most people coped remarkably well. However, in the second major lockdown, uh, what we're seeing is that a number of people are finding it really difficult. And some people say, well, actually, I should be okay, I shouldn't be this upset, or I shouldn't be so worried. 
But one of the things to note is that after 18 months of going through changes with the pandemic, a lot of people have lower resilience. When the first lockdown happened, a lot of people had strong resilience, they could fight this thing. But little by little over time, that may have worn down for some people. So that could be a reason why people are finding this harder than normal. I've heard from a number of people that they've thought they're coping well, and then maybe they have one day where something small goes wrong, like they spill a bit of milk or something, and they burst into tears and get really upset. And at first, some of these people may think, well, I'm getting all upset over nothing. And it's really important to know that if you have an experience like that, you're not getting all upset over nothing. The milk wasn't really the issue. It's what's going on behind that. And as I've said, many people in New Zealand have experienced significant and ongoing disruptions. So it's really important that if you recognise um, something like that you do burst into tears for no obvious reason, it's really important that you take that as a sign that your body is trying to tell you something. And probably what your body is trying to tell you is that you're overwhelmed, things are really difficult at the moment, you're under a huge amount of pressure. And one of the mistakes that people make is they think, oh, I'm just getting all upset over nothing and I'll just press on. And if you don't listen to some of those warning signs that your body gives you, then that's when things can really go wrong. So it's really important to listen to what is your body telling you at the moment. And there's a couple of good ways to know um, what your body might be telling you. Another couple of good questions to ask yourself is, when I wake up in the morning, how do I feel? Do I feel absolutely exhausted and I don't want to face the day? Or do I feel ready to go? Now, if you've had a busy week and you have one or two days where you're pretty exhausted and tired, that's normal, that's not a problem. But if you've found for the last couple of weeks or even months that when you wake up in the morning, you just want to stay in bed, you just want to pull the covers over your head and you really don't want to face the world, that's possibly an indication that you might need a little bit more help. Another great question to ask yourself is, when it comes to the weekends, how do I spend my time? I've heard a number of people that are really tired and exhausted from all the changes and all the disruptions, and when it comes to the weekends, they basically spend the whole weekend in bed just resting and not doing much. And if that happens once, that's probably reasonably normal. But if it's ongoing, again, that could be an indicator that things aren't so good. And another good question that can give you a bit of an idea of how things are going is to ask yourself, what are the things that you enjoy doing? So if we take reading as an example, if you love reading, but you haven't picked up a book for, say, the last month or two, um, that could be an indicator that things aren't so good. Or maybe you have tried to pick up a book and you read a couple of lines, you just can't concentrate and you have to put it down. So if things start to affect the things you enjoy doing, that could possibly be an indicator that things are not as good as they could be. So those are some sort of basic questions that can give you a bit of an idea of how are you doing at the moment. And then if you realise that your sleep's being affected, like you're waking really early for no obvious reason, you're waking multiple times throughout the night, you're wanting to eat more than normal or you don't eat much, then possibly those are some of the indicators that you might need a little bit more help. So if you do need help, a lot of people find it really confusing and difficult to know where to go because there's a lot of places out there and some of them are better than others. 
If you're not sure where to start off and it all seems too overwhelming, I recommend that you go and see your doctor. One of the advantages of seeing a doctor is that you should be able to see a doctor within 24 hours. And if you can see a doctor, that really um, can get you at least started on the process of healing. A doctor can make a bit of an assessment, see what's going on, and then um, they can work out a plan from there. Often that first point of help is really important. Um, depending on how you are, if you get put on, say, a 12-week wait list to see a counsellor, that can be really tough for people. And unfortunately, when most people seek help, it's not when things are starting to get bad. It's often when they have a breakdown or something like that. So if you feel you have to wait a really long time to get help, that just adds to the stress. But if you can uh, approach this in a different way, if you can start to think that, well, um, yeah, let's go see a doctor, let's at least get this started. And even though it's not um, complete help, um, it's one point of contact. And then if something else goes wrong, you also know who to go back to. So I recommend that as a really good place to start. If you're listening to this and you're concerned about a friend or a family member, I recommend that you go with them. I used to be a youth worker at 298 Youth Health here in Christchurch, and lots of people would come to see me, and I'd ask, why did you come in today? And a lot of people would say, I don't know. And what had happened was someone had booked an appointment for them because they were concerned, but they didn't really tell the person what was going on. So if you go with the person, you can tell the helping professional what you've seen and what you're concerned about. I've been hosting the show for, I think, four years now, and I've asked many people that I've interviewed with personal experience of mental illness, if you had one bit of advice for someone going through this, what would it be? And I've been really surprised to learn that person after person has said to me they wished they knew they could change counsellors or doctors. So in other words, if the help you're getting is not helping you, then it's okay to change. I now want to look at this concept of grief in a little bit more detail. So as I said before, we often think that grief will occur after the death of someone, and it most certainly can. But there's a lot of other ways that people can experience grief. As I said before, the loss of a job, the loss of meaningful work, but also the loss of being able to um, go out and spend time with your friends. Maybe there was a big event that you were looking forward to, I know lots of people have had things like weddings cancelled and anniversaries. So there's a lot of things that people can be grieving about. Also, um, a lot of people thought if they had relatives in Australia, great, we can go over there, we can have Christmas. And now people are finding that there's been a real loss there. So there's a lot of things that um, have caused a lot of grief for people. One of the problems in New Zealand is we don't really like to talk about grief much. Uh, I do a lot of talks for workplaces, and over the years I've suggested I think it would be really helpful for your staff to have a session on grief. And usually the feedback I get is, we'd rather jump in a volcano. Uh, people really seem quite allergic to this. It's interesting in the last 18 months that people have been far more open to hearing about grief. I think that's because they realise we need to know this. So it's important to know a couple of things about grief. Um, if we take death as an example, but this can apply to other things as well, sometimes after someone experiences a death of someone close to them, 
they can be relatively okay in the days afterwards, but then you know, it can be months or years later that it starts to hit them. So there can be a delayed reaction. Some people cope pretty well um, immediately, and but some people cry, and crying after a big loss is really normal. But then some people think, well, I'm not crying. Does that mean there's something wrong with me? Not at all. Um, there's lots of different ways that people can experience grief. There's no one right way or wrong way that people have to go through this. I said before that many businesses didn't want to hear about grief. And I think one of the reasons for this is many people think that grief is this incredibly scary and overwhelming topic. Yet what I've found is that the fear of helping someone that's grieving or engaging with this is often far worse than it actually is. Over the last few years, I've been invited to speak at the Death Matters conference, and you'd think a conference on death would be the most depressing and upsetting day possible. And yet I was really surprised when I went there to find that there was a tremendous amount of laughter. Um, some people were there because they had a terminal illness, and yet there was so much joy to come out of us. And I think when we start to face and acknowledge that grief and maybe death are a reality, it actually takes away a lot of that fear, and it's often not as bad as we think it is. As I travel around New Zealand giving various different talks, lots of people uh, say to me that if they do experience the death of someone close to them, not only do all their f- do they lose the person, but often all their friends and family stop talking to them. And the reason for this is often that people don't know what to say. And so they end up doing the worst thing possible, which is avoiding someone. So if you know that someone's grieving, it's important to know that there's actually no one right thing you can say that can make it all better. I think a lot of people ask, what, what do I say? And if there was a magic sentence that could make it all better, we'd have found that by now. But what really can help is being there with people that are going through a tough time. Sometimes it could be something as simple as going to see the person that's grieving and just having a cup of tea or coffee with them. And sometimes if someone's really upset, they won't be able to talk much, they won't be able to say a lot. But just be there with them. And if they get all upset and say, I'm so sorry about this, just say, it's okay. You're going through a really tough time at the moment. I'm happy to be here. And it's when we're present with other people, that's when we start to say, I love you, I care for you. And it's that love that actually starts to be really healing. So it could be other things that can make a real difference. Uh, Sometimes if someone's grieving and a bit overwhelmed, sometimes they think the lawns haven't been done or the house is a mess or I haven't done the shopping. Maybe just volunteering to do something like that could really help the person. It's important to know that, uh, particularly say with COVID at the moment, many people are in a really uncertain place. And if you say have the death of a loved one, that's quite a defined moment and you can start to process that. One of the challenges that we have with uh, COVID at the moment is that there's ongoing disruptions. And so people are grieving and then they find, oh, well, what I was grieving about before has changed and something different has come up. And so that can be quite difficult for some people to process. It's important to know that when many people are experiencing grief, they often don't uh, think particularly well and they often make some dumb decisions. After the death of John Lennon, 
Paul McCartney was seen leaving a recording studio. Reporters asked him, how is he feeling about the death of John Lennon? And Paul McCartney said, drag, isn't it? And many people thought that he was being heartless, he was being insensitive, and he wasn't responding very well. It's important to know that when many people are grieving, they don't actually make very good decisions, and sometimes they say the wrong or stupid things. So just be aware that if you're working with someone that is experiencing grief, sometimes they can say things that can upset other people. I'll talk about Megan Devine in a minute. She wrote a really good book. Um, but one of the things she says is that when some people are grieving, they become really listless, overwhelmed, and they don't really think clearly. And so they might come home and uh, if they've been out shopping, and they might put the shopping in the washing machine because they're not thinking clearly. There's a story uh, of a couple after the bushfires in Australia, and they were given an insurance payout to buy a new truck. And all they had to do was go down to the yard and decide, do they want a blue one or a white one? Very simple decision, and you think, well, if you get a free truck, surely you take that. However, what happened was this couple was just so overwhelmed that even choosing between blue and white was really too difficult for them. And so they spent an hour trying to decide, and after the hour they just walked away. So it's important to know that when people are grieving, even simple decisions can become really quite overwhelming. So if someone has lost a job and we say to them, oh, let's start looking for another one, let's start applying, depending on how deep the grief is, sometimes that can be too difficult. So it's really important just to take things step by step. One of the other things I'll mention here, if someone's planning a funeral, um, this becomes even more difficult. They have to decide what type of flowers they want, what sort of colours, um, if there's a hymn book, what songs they want. And all these things just can really add to the difficulty that many people experience. So if you're working with someone that's grieving and they find it really difficult, that's okay. Just acknowledge that. Acknowledge that they're probably not thinking very well and just give them some time and try and help them to make as few decisions as possible. I want to talk about the work of Megan Devine. She wrote a really great book called It's Okay That You're Not Okay About Grief. And she was a grief counsellor, and then her husband died. And then as soon as this happened, she started to realise that most of the things we do to help people that are grieving actually end up making it worse. One of the problems is we try and rush people through that state of grieving when actually they need time to heal properly. If someone experiences a significant death, we often give them a week off work and expect them to be better. But that's not the way that grief works. Grief can take a lot longer and it can be a lot more challenging to process. Try to help someone that is grieving, what they do is they try to make it all better. They try and say something along the lines of, this could be the best thing that has ever happened to you. You've got to look on the bright side. The problem is, when people hear these words, they don't feel heard or consoled. They feel belittled and even insulted. And Megan Devine says that if you actually want to help someone heal through the difficult times and through their grief, you actually need to acknowledge the pain that they are in. 
And many people think, well, this surely sounds wrong. Say if someone's lost their husband and you say, that's absolutely dreadful. Many of us think, well, we're going to make the person more upset. But actually, if you want to help someone heal, you need to acknowledge that pain and you need to acknowledge what people are going through. And many people that I've talked to over the years, if they're going through a difficult time, for example, say they've lost a pet, and on the surface some people may say, well, you're getting all upset over nothing, it's just a pet. And they say, well, they can't heal when that happens. But they say when people start to acknowledge that actually, yeah, this really is very painful. That was a beloved member of the family, this is not so easy. It's when we actually start to acknowledge the pain that people are in and start to heal that, that's when things start to change. That's when we feel that someone else actually understands us. They're taking the time to be with us. They're not just trying to brush us off and get us fixed as fast as possible so it's not an inconvenience for them. They're actually willing to sit with us in some of those difficult feelings and they're willing to help us through those times. So if you know that someone's been through a difficult time, really acknowledging what they're going through makes such a difference. Uh, Probably about six months ago on my show, I talked about the book um, Compassionomics by uh, Steve Treziak and Anthony Mazzarelli. And this shows that when doctors have more compassion, they have patients that heal faster. And although this book did look at medical professionals, I think the same could apply to helping a family member that's going through a really difficult situation. If we have more compassion and empathy for people that are struggling and grieving, it actually helps them to recover faster, and it actually helps them to um, begin that healing process. I think one of the reasons that this happens is, if people deny what's happened and how bad it is, then you're left wondering, well, am I getting all upset over nothing? And that actually adds time to the healing journey. But if you can jump straight to the point, yes, this is bad and we need to start working through this, then um, that will help you to um, begin the journey much faster. So it's really important to acknowledge that grief is something that actually all of us sooner or later are going to have to experience. And we need to um, know how to support people. When we ignore this, it becomes difficult. The last point I want to leave you with is, well, what can we do with these feelings of grief and pain? Well, one of the things is that if we spend time on our own with our thoughts, sometimes they can become bigger and even more overwhelming. One of the things that researchers found is really helpful is volunteering. And it doesn't really matter too much what the volunteering is, but when you volunteer, sometimes that can take you out of your head And it gives you a bit of a different perspective on the world. There's lots of different organisations that need volunteers. If you're looking for some, just Google um, volunteering opportunities and lots will come up. In Christchurch here we have VOLCAN, which stands for Volunteering Canterbury. The last point that I want to leave you with on this show is that there was an incredible study that found that when people volunteered um, that were elderly, they had a 63% lower chance of dying than those that did not volunteer. So volunteering really can save lives. It's something that we need to look more into, and it's something that we should think about far more. When we are grieving, we've lost someone. 
And sometimes people say, well, my heart was hurt, I don't want to love again. But actually that causes even more pain because human beings are made to love. We are made to be loved and we are made for love. When we don't receive that love, we know that things start going very wrong indeed. We know the biggest killer in the world is not smoking or um, eating unhealthy food. It's actually loneliness. And when we start to volunteer, we start to break down some of that loneliness. We start to rebuild some of those lost connections. And we can start to allow that love to enter our hearts again. So that's all I have for this show. I really encourage you, if you know that someone's having a really tough time, don't avoid them. You know, just check in on them. Uh, just maybe send them a message saying, I just wanted to check in on you today. Just want to see how things were. Even if they don't reply, a lot of people say that checking in is so important. So if we want to become a better society, we need to learn how to help people that are going through tough times. Thank you very much for listening. Take care. When the nights get cold and the lights go out The sun is gone behind the clouds And you feel lost and I'll reach out To guide you home with my lighthouse